Welcome to Between the Horns, Miles Simmons across the table from DeMarco Far. It is Wednesday, June 5th. Yes, sir. It is four nine, days from my birthday. Four days from your birthday. That's right. You're going to tell the people how old you're going to be? Hell no. I'm amped, though. They yeah. can look it up. Good. Look it up. On Wikipedia. Google. Yeah. Wikipedia. Honestly, go ahead. I'm not telling know. you crap. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Wednesday, June 5th. It is just after uh, 9.45 a.m. Pacific time here in Agora Hills, California. And we are just about to wrap up now the Rams offseason program. We mm-hmm. have two more OTAs, three days of mandatory minicamp next week, and then that's it. Before training camp yes. begins. Yeah, uh, you, you leave the players to their own devices. So uh, I'm really looking forward to minicamp. OTAs have been great. Um, the offseason program has gone well uh, from our eyes, from our perspective. Sure. Um, the only guy we haven't really seen that much is Todd Gurley. But I, I think we kind of knew that going in. But, I mean, seeing Cooper Cup, seeing Jared Goff, his progressions, and how he's starting to become a, a better practice player um, – Year three under Sean McVay is starting out well. So can't wait for minicamp. And then obviously training camp is right around the corner. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, I think, in this particular process. Because right now you have – and we can just start with Todd Gurley off the bat. Because sure. what I think is interesting about this situation right now is you have basically conflicting reports from the same media outlet that it, that basically are like okay, one person is saying – and we'll use names. Steve Weish reported earlier last week that there's not really that much concern about the knee. And I'll read what I think is the most important quote from that as we do our segment called reading. But what he said basically was, okay, the Rams have had a plan for Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley has also been working with Travell Gaines. He is somebody who is a trainer that is well known. He has worked with different guys around the league, different running backs. And so Weish talked to Travell Gaines and so I will quote Steve Weish here by saying, Gaines also said, is there any lingering effect from the ACL injury that Todd had when he was at the University of Georgia? Yes, that is common with all athletes, but it is not an everyday thing. Now, is there anything medical that the Rams or anyone is worrying about that's going to diminish Todd Gurley? Absolutely not. Okay, so there's that. Right. But then you've also now had Jay Glazer come out and and, uh, talk about something in his mailbag. Oh, the Rams have concerns. They are this, they are that. Then you had Ian Rappaport report um, the the other day that the Rams are not anticipating Todd Gurley to be the bell cow back anymore. So am I crazy or are these things in conflict? I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I mean, obviously, there's a concern about his knee. So to say there's no concern coming out of the Rams camp, I think is false. There, there has to be some concern. It's it's your one of your best players. You know what I mean? Yes. That's not out there with the rest of his team working through OTAs. So there is obviously some concern. Uh, but I don't think it's dire. I don't think his career is over. Um, I don't think his days of a bell cow back are over. I, I think that's a little premature. I agree. Yeah, I think you should wait and see first. But to say there's no concern, come on, that's, that's a little well, bit false. Yeah. Right. I think that there is a concern, but it's it, what Weish was saying in – what, what I get from what Weish was saying, right, mm-hmm. the fact that there's not the medical concern, right, there, there's not something that you can definitively say, okay, this is going to end Todd Gurley's career right, right now. You can't say that. So True, no doubt. That, that to me is where there's almost this disconnect and it's almost like, okay, there's a panic in yeah. some ways from different people because of something that you don't know, right? It's, it's all unknown. And I think before we get to training camp, before we get 
get to the regular season because we're not going to see him in the preseason. We already know that. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see him last year, so why would you change mm-hmm. in the first place? But also Sean McVay was saying the other day that, of course, there's a little bit of a difference because you play longer mm-hmm. than you ever had. So all of these things factor in, but I think at the end of the day – we just are not going to know what, any definitive answers about the situation until the regular season. Yeah, I look at this as like long range betting when people put down a hundred bucks on team a six months before the season starts, Yeah, you know, towards the end of the year, you're going to either look really right or really wrong. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, I think they're doing their due diligence as NFL insiders and throwing out what they think they know right now. And eventually you're going to circle back around as in, you know, you were dead right or dead wrong. Now, most of the time, we don't even care. You know, if you're in December and you're battling for a playoff spot, who cares what these guys have to say? Right. Uh, but there is concern about Todd's knee. I'm sure Todd is concerned about his knee. And I mean, you're concerned about usage. The last two seasons, he has been, like you said, the tip of the spear on the offense. Uh, Sean McVay makes no bones about it. His job is to get the ball to Todd Gurley in space a lot. You know, so yes. we're going to see if he can handle that workload. So, you know, Malcolm Brown coming back, I thought was significant. He can handle some of that workload. I think drafting Henderson was, I wouldn't say that's a big sign, but I think that is something else that jumps into the Todd Gurley's knee as a concern. You're, you're trying to lighten that workload as much as you can, or at least spread it out a little bit to keep Todd healthy. Because if Todd Gurley is healthy, he's clearly the best back you have and one of the best backs in the league. He's one of the best players in the league, period. Bar none, yeah. period. So that is the goal. You want to keep him on the field and as healthy as you can for the entire football season. Yeah, so we've got some sound from yeah. Sean McVay talking about sort of the plan for Todd Gurley through the offseason program and into training camp. Let's get to it here. Like we've said, Lindsay, our goal is is to get him ready to go for camp. You know, when we report, I think July 26th. So, so that's the big picture perspective that we have with him. Um, I think those guys that are established, you know, we'll, we'll see. We've got some um, plans to be able to get some great work against the Chargers and Raiders in some practice settings. I don't see any reason as long as we feel like he's able to get the work that we want necessary with those guys that have accumulated a lot of experience, guys like Todd, um, you know, that's probably the approach we'll take like what we did last year. Lighter weight, you know, we haven't gotten into the specifics. I think the biggest thing was getting him to where he's feeling good, he's ready to go. Um, As far as, you know, give and take here, he's always been a guy that has a great command on his his body weight and and takes really good care of himself. So I think the most important thing to say that you want to put a finite weight on him, I want him to feel most comfortable. And that's the most important thing, Uh, what he feels like he can function at, be the all-purpose back that he's been. And and that's that's, that's where we're at. So if he says, I'd rather play five, ten pounds lighter, um, and he's going to feel better about that, then that's exactly what we'll do. And and I think he's earned the right to be able to tell us how he's feeling, um, you know, with a give and take. And, And as long as he's got a why, which I know he does, then, you know, we're always receptive to those things. All right. So there's Sean McVay talking about Todd Gurley. We also heard him talk about Todd Gurley maybe playing at a lower weight because that's also something that Steve Weiss reported. That's the longest. I mean, that's the most extended soundbite I've ever heard out of Sean McVay. <laughs> it uh, was answer, kind of two sound bites. But answering one question. I mean, really. I mean, it was an extended sound bite. So, I mean, that right there tells me there's concern, but not too much. I mean, he's a football coach. If he can't go, get the other guy ready to play, just like C.J. Anderson last year. Right. You can't worry about one guy. This is not about one guy. This is about the football team. But I remember Marshall Falk 
his knee was worse than mine and my knee retired me. Right. And he played five years after, you know, so the position is a little bit different, but you can play a little bit winged. I heard rumors and I can't find any sort of factual evidence, but I knew people that knew this guy that told me Curtis Martin played without an ACL. Yeah. And he went to the hall of fame. So, I mean, guys can play through this, you know, guys can play through knees. Um, but just going back to your original point saying it's not a concern, that's not true. There's, there's obviously an issue there, but saying that Todd Gurley's not going to be Todd Gurley because of it, that's wrong. Right. Todd can play through this. And I'm glad he's going through a body transformation. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, um, the hall of famer or soon to be hall of famer, Hall of Famer. I'm pretty sure he just got elected, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, soon to go in, soon yes. to be inducted yes. Hall of yes. Famer. Yes. Tony Gonzalez would tell other tight ends, lose weight. Every year you lose five pounds. You know what I mean? Hmm. It's better for you to lose weight as a football player. You don't have to be massive to play this game at a high level. Right. I think the veteran guys prove that. So I think even without the knee issue for Todd Gurley, I think we'd still be going through a body transformation. Everyone does. Well, he's going into year five. Uh So that's part of it, right? As you get older, how do you maintain your body so that it's at its best when you need it to be at its best? I think that's that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Look at a picture of Andrew Whitworth when he was in his rookie or second year in Cincinnati versus now. Sure. He's a whole lot leaner. And probably 10 times stronger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that's how you, that's called longevity in this game. Your body's going to have to change with it. Right. It's being efficient. Absolutely. With those kinds of things so yeah. that you can perform at a high level, even when you get older. Um, I think it is interesting though, just the way we have to talk about Todd Gurley because we can't see him perform right now, mm-hmm. but you also are having guys like Malcolm Brown. He's basically been the primary running back throughout OTAs. He stepped up. He's look fine. Uh, 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 Daryl Henderson has gotten a lot of snaps, gotten a lot of rep, gotten more reps as OTAs have gone on with the first team, been seeing him executing the passing game during seven on seven, things like that. They also have John Kelly and Justin Davis who have been worked in in certain amounts. So in some ways, this is kind of good because it allows those guys, those younger guys to be able to get some snaps to integrate themselves into the offense better, to learn more about the offense and feel more comfortable going into training camp in the preseason where they're going to be fighting for jobs. And vice versa. The offensive line, the head the head coach and the play caller uh, gets used to that style as well. Right. Just in case you don't have a Todd or uh, you have to go with a three-headed monster running back for an extended period of time. It just gives everyone a chance to get acclimated with each other. It does. It, you know, it was weird. Uh, remember towards the end of the year, I remember there were some low rumbles about, well, the offensive line actually functions better when CJ's in the game. Remember that? Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah, because of who you were playing and how you were attacking. It had nothing to do with the backs. You know, it's just yeah. people will always try to point, oh, I think he's better than him, or you should go with him over that guy. Well, look, if Todd were healthy, if Todd were 100%, CJ wouldn't be here. Right. And we wouldn't be saying this stuff even if CJ were here and Todd was healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So football is just a weird game. If you can go at – at the I, I get at, at the best of your ability and you're one of the best players in the league everything takes care of itself but you've got to be healthy it's interesting you bring up that line everything takes care of itself it's a great segue into our next topic which is Dante Fowler yeah so he's somebody who is now only one year deal he has been back and forth going from here to Jacksonville he's taking care of some personal family situations as he detailed in his press conference yeah, on Monday that's real who's the who's the kid that just retired out of Jacksonville because he had to take care of family stuff. 
Great player. I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, Telvin Smith. Okay. Yeah, he's taking a year off because he, oh, I did read this because he needs yes. to take care of family stuff. That yeah. stuff is real. So if he can't be here for OTAs because he has to handle family stuff, respect that. That's the truth. Yeah, and that's what he was saying. And and he said that he really appreciated that Sean McVay has given him that leeway. And it's not necessarily given him because, of course, this is voluntary. But Sean McVay has been very understanding about it. Is what Dante Fowler said. And yeah. So you know you have to be able to take care of your family. Yeah. Family is one of the most important things in your life. Uh, I've, I've had experience with a guy that had to miss OTAs and the media was just all on him about not being a team player. But what they didn't know was he had a brother-in-law that was suicidal. And the only one that listened to him or only person he would listen to was this guy. Yeah. So my presence is needed there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Go take care of that business. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But when it comes to the it'll take care of itself line, that's something that Marcus Peters said. And we talked about this last week when it mm-hmm. comes to the contract. Marcus Peters on the last year of his rookie deal. Dante Fowler now is effectively on what, what you could call a fifth year option type contract because mm-hmm. it is a one year deal. And he signed it before he, the free agency actually opened because he was set to be an unrestricted free agent there in March. But what I thought was interesting was he talked about why he wanted to sign that deal, why he didn't even you know look elsewhere before signing that one year deal with Los Angeles. So let's take a listen to that sound. I knew from uh, the like the first few weeks, uh, really at first month when I was here, um, that this was a, a perfect fit for me, a perfect team for me. You know, with Coach uh, Wade Phillips and his scheme, I was watching his scheme. You know, growing up as a kid, and actually when I got drafted, I was a you know a hybrid linebacker, pass rusher. And um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't used like that in Jacksonville for my first four years. And I always, you know, knew what I had and all that stuff. Um, I knew what was my best, like what was my best abilities and things like that. And when I got here, it was just felt like, you know, everything that I was asking for is like my wishes were being granted. So um, this is a, a, a great place uh, with beautiful people, um, beautiful workers and a, a great coaching staff that I was begging for. And uh, I couldn't ask much more from. So um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to just go out there and bust my tail and uh, you know, try to try to be the best player I can be on and off the field so I can you know, try to uh, figure out a way to stay here in LA. Don't soften it up. Just say, bust my ass, man. You know? <laughs> you don't have to soften that up. And I'm handsome, not beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of beautiful workers. That, no, but I think... I'm handsome, bro. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But that's one of these things where Dante Fowler is being very genuine about that. Yeah. Like he you can tell he wants to be here. Yeah. And that he wants to do everything he can to stay here. Of course. I mean, think about his career in Jacksonville. I mean, when they brought in Calais Campbell and, you know, it's 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 hard to get on the field to, to show what you can do here. It's your job. You're here to do a thing, to do what you do best. Rush the passer. Be a hybrid guy. You have Wade Phillips who understands you as a player that can put you in positions to be successful. So why wouldn't you want to be here? And you have an offense that scores points. Yes, exactly. Well, that's the other thing, too, that he said that I thought was interesting as we get to some more sound from Fowler, because he was talking about why he didn't think he didn't necessarily want to explore the open market. The Mm -hmm. question, I believe, was, was there a part of you that did want to explore the open market? 
No, I feel like I don't, you know, have, I, I feel like I can say that, but, you know, right now, I just feel like I, I still have a lot of, you know, work and um, a lot of things, you know, just to put out there on the field that you guys still haven't seen. I mean, let's be honest, my first year I tore my ACL, um, my second year, uh, I came off, um, you know, had like five and a half sacks, um, was really kind of finding myself still off the field and things like that growing. And that next year felt really good. Um, you know, I still had a lot of things I was fighting against, you know, with just, you know, cleaning up my act. I had ended up, you know, getting arrested that summer. So a lot of stuff was going on. Um, but I was able to still have a good season. I had eight and a half sacks. Um, and we went to the playoffs and I had two more sacks. So I felt really good that year. And then the next year, um, last year, you know, it's kind of just a, it was a roller coaster up and down. Really wasn't playing a lot like that. So, um, really wasn't feeling myself until I got here, and I really start feeling myself. The coaches put me in a, a very great position. Just like, just let me be me, and just let me be the Dante Fowler that basically got me here. And um, they, you know, AD, all the guys, Key, Marcus Peters, like just welcomed me with open arms, and they just let me be, you know, the player that I am. And this is a full year, you know, that I'm be able to start. Um, I'm just be able to go out there and know. Playbook uh, in really good shape, and just go out there and you know be the Dante that you know that, that I know that I am, and I'm very excited for that this year. Lots to unpack. You know, if I'm starving on a desert island and you throw me a cracker, I'm going to welcome that cracker with open arms. <laughs> if I'm thirsty as hell in the desert and you throw a bottle of water, I'm going to welcome that bottle of water with open arms. Absolutely, there was a need on this football team. You needed an edge rusher, and you've got one of the best coming out of college football a couple of seasons ago. One of the best guys, third pick in the draft. So absolutely they would welcome you with open arms. And like he said, they're going to use you to the best of your ability. They're going to turn you loose. You know, you're not competing with someone on the roster for for reps. You are the guy, which is what everybody wants. And I love it. You can always tell a pass rusher, a true pass rusher, when all he talks about is sacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he can name how many sacks he had and when he got them. Mm -hmm. That is a pass rusher. So when he says there's more to give and I have more to show, good, because I want to see more. Everyone wants to see more. Yeah, no doubt about it. And he wants to be able to provide that. And what the interesting thing, too, is that he knows that this is a spot where he can be used the way he is best. He can be used best, right? Like, Wade Phillips is always a guy that puts players in the best position to succeed. He adapts his system to his players, maybe better than any other defensive coordinator in the league. Uh, True. Right? Yes. Because, I mean, his system is a system, but he knows how to adapt that system to different things, right? And so Bill Belichick says during the Super Bowl week, this system has been around for 30 years and it's still the same principles and it still works for him. Mm-hmm. And Wade Phillips joke, well, I don't know how much of a compliment that is. It sounds like, I mean, it could be a little backhanded, but at the same time, there is something to say for Wade Phillips' longevity yeah. in this league and the fact that he's still coordinating defenses at a high level. Some guys have to move the entire chessboard you know wade phillips it's it's a simple coaching change in philosophy for three guys it's going to be the same scheme same everything but these three guys are going to play this differently that's the only difference you know what i mean so i mean to me that's great coaching but you know going back to fowler yeah i mean well i i hope you don't have to depend on wade phillips to set you up to make a play Okay. You know, if you really want to be one of those guys, if you really want to get paid like one of the top paid pass rushers, you're going to have to do it DIY, do it yourself. 
just like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald makes plays when he's set up to make plays and when not. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the next gear, not just a guy who gets sacks or the same argument you had for Jared Goff and system quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. When it breaks down, what happens? You still have to make a play. Same thing with a pass rusher. When I can't scheme you to the quarterback, you're going to have to win on your own. So that's what I think I want to see out of Fowler. I want to see you win more consistently on your own when it's not set up for you to win. Hmm. That's fair, and that's going to be something that we can monitor as the season goes on. Where do you think Fowler has to has to grow in that area? Just winning one on one, like what what does he have to adapt and change? Uh, okay, like um, making the flash plays up the field versus the run, right? Those are great, and you can count off the top of your head when he made those flash plays, those big hits in the backfield. Okay, but when you're facing Seattle and it's you know shoe to shoe in the middle and it's all run. You still have to find ways to make plays. Think of J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt makes plays no matter what scheme you're running at him. If it's true run, he is putting his nose in, extending guys back, making plays, throwing guys, making plays. When it's pass, he's in on the passer. Same stuff for Fowler. You've got to be just as tough against the run as you are against the pass to be special, to be transcendent. Yeah, yeah. And I think he has that potential. No right? doubt. As, as you just brought up, this is a guy that was drafted number three overall yeah. in the draft out of Florida. Now, it's interesting, though, listening to him talk about his time in Jacksonville because it almost seems like they drafted somebody and didn't necessarily know the best way of using him. Yeah. And I- then they didn't adapt – their system to fit his skill set. I heard, and I did a little research talking to people about that. I heard it was a personal, a personality thing. Okay. As in he butted heads with Tom Coughlin, who was a strict disciplinarian. So when you mentioned, but Coughlin wasn't even there in 15 and 16. But when you mentioned arrests and off the field Uh, stuff, right, 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 right. That's going to rub people the wrong way. And they're going to think you're not as dialed into football as you should be, uh, or as this guy, as the next guy at your position. So we're going to start him, not you. You know what I mean? Well, but that, that though is different because when did Coughlin get there in 17? Right, right. So I'm talking the two years before, even then it sounds like, and obviously personality wash. Yeah. Because of the ACL that he tore at the first day of rookie minicamp. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget that. But then in 16, when you're coming back from that, it still sounds like – and he had eight sacks or whatever he said that he had. But it still sounds like the, it wasn't the best fit for him. Right. Uh, I, I think it was a personality – and that happens in the NFL. It does? Yeah, where, where some group, some organization thinks that you're not as dialed in as the next guy. So we're going to start him. We're going to make you earn it. Uh, I used to hear stories about Bill Parcells to where all of a sudden he would just demote a guy for no reason just to see how you react. You know what I mean? I don't like stuff like that. That's well, so, that's – But, I mean, if it gets the best out of a player, if that's exactly what you needed at that time, then so be it. But some guys react poorly to that. Yeah. You saw it firsthand. Remember Trey Mason. Yes. You drafted Todd Gurley and Trey couldn't handle it. Yes. You couldn't handle the competition early. So sometimes it's a personality tick that causes guys not to play as much as they should. But here – in Los Angeles, this is your job. You don't have to compete with a person. You don't have to impress anybody with your personality. Just play football. Right. 
I, I think that's great for him. Yes, I, I, I think it is too. And I think that's part of why it's worked. The other thing that he was talking about was winning cultures and being around a winning culture said that, you know, going to the AFC championship game 2017, that was great, but it left a bad taste in your mouth because you lost the Patriots, Patriots go to the Super Bowl, losing to the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 2018, right? Like that is also something that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But at the same time, now you know what winning is, is mm-hmm. what he's saying. And you don't want to go back to losing. No he doubt. just wants to win. And that's another reason why he really wants to be here because, as he said, you've got a young head coach that's really coming into his prime and you've got this offense that is high scoring. You've got a defense that's got really good key players all around you. There is no reason why you would not want to be here. No, I just I, I, I want to see if he can become the story. Um, you know, when you go through every game since he got here, right? Good or bad, uh, how many players, Ram players, did you go through before you mentioned Fowler on any given Sunday? Well, it depends on the game. But, I mean, NFC Championship game, you didn't mention too many. Right, but uh, that's what I mean. I mean, I want to see if you can become the story. Can you outplay? Can you be talked about more than Aaron Donald for a week or two? Because I I kept telling you guys this. There's no way I'm going to let one guy outproduce me at the same position for 16 weeks. Well, same thing for an edge rusher or anybody that's on the field. I'm not going to let you talk more about Goff, Woods, Cooks, Cup, more than you talk about me at least for a couple of weeks. Especially when you're being paid like that. Right. Well, I think we took until the playoffs to see that about Sue. True. We're talking about him without using his name. Um, But then Fowler, though, we did talk about Fowler. Right. Even when the first few games that he was in Los Angeles, he made an impact. Think about the um, the, the first game he was in. Didn't he like blow up Melvin Ingram in the backfield or um, it's not Melvin. Which one is the running behind Ingram? <laughs> Ingram. Ingram. Yeah. There's a in, running back in New, Orleans. in New Orleans that's now in Baltimore. But what is that's his Ing- first name? Mark Ingram. Mark. Thank From you. Alabama. Yes. Melvin, Melvin is the pass plays for in San Diego. <laughs> right. Or not in right. San Diego. They're in Carson. I know where you're going with this. God. Yes. All right. Mark Ingram. Yes. 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 We blew up Mark Ingram in the backfield. God, right? did he have a save me look on his face? <laughs> Save me, save me. That was so bad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's let him sweat for two more seconds. Holy go ahead, cow. Mark Ingram. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, but he blew up Mark Ingram in the backfield. I yes, right, I remember right. that. Yes. yes. So then, or was it Kamara? It might have been Kamara, actually. I One think Aaron Aaron backs. ran through oh, Kamara. Goodness gracious, man. Aaron, I'm having a tough time right now. Aaron Donald ran through Kamara without actually tackling him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I think it was Ingram that Fowler slashed in on and knocked down. Okay, but go ahead. My memory is not as good as Sean McVay's. I apologize. But then the next week against um, the the Seattle Seahawks, not Mariners, as I really wanted to say right there. I know. Like I said, I'm having a tough time. Dude, okay. Call time out, bro. You know? Oh, my God. I wish you would have went with the Mariners. Oh, no. That would have been great. <laughs> he had a big play against the Seahawks. Yes. He had a strip sack against Russell Wilson. It turned into a touchdown. The Rams end up winning that game. Yes. All right. So right. my point okay. is that they, he point. was making plays throughout the course. Case in point, right? So you made a flash play versus the Seahawks, right? Yes. So you're a defensive end, really? Let's just call it what it is. 
Okay, what did they rush for that day? Like 230. That's what I mean. Yards. So one or two flashplays, that. that's that's fun. That's great. But, I mean, let's be more consistent up front. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, right. And I, and I think that's fair, yeah. for sure. And the other thing you don't have now is, I guess, a revolving door at outside linebacker like it was last year you, where you, you're just not sure who's going to play there because of so many injuries, right? Right, right. Like from Morgan Fox, Dominique Easley, uh, Matt yeah. Longacre wow. got her, like all these different players. So now, right, you have somebody like Dante Fowler, mm. you have Clay Matthews, mm-hmm. you have Samson Abukam. Mm-hmm. That's going to be your primary rotation at that outside linebacker spot. Theoretically, yes. We'll yes. see. I mean, everybody's yes. got to make it through healthy, but yes. I, I still think it's going to, it won't be a revolving door, but it's going to be multiple <laughs> just yeah. because of Clay Matthews. But I think the one constant in that group is going to be Fowler. When mm-hmm. he's in there, he's going forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is your pass rusher. So I think every offense, definitely, when it's an obvious passing down, can count him as a pass rusher. He's coming after me. Let's as, slide protection that way. As he should be. Now, Matthews will be the wild card. Is he coming? Is he dropping? You know what I mean? He'll be the guy that will be a little bit tricky to to, to figure out. Well, you know right, what I mean? Because yeah. it's not just going to be from the standpoint of, okay, Kelly Matthews is on the outside. Right. He could be on the inside and he could rush or he could drop. True. He could be on the outside, he could rush or he could drop. True. So that, I think, it's like what Wade Phillips says about the 3-4 a lot of the time mm-hmm. is you're always going to have four guys rushing, but you're not necessarily going to know who they are. Right. And in pa- known passing situations, that might go up to five. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. So that's part of the vers- great thing about the versatility that Clay Matthews brings is that you really don't know who that other guy's going to be. Right. I because bet that fifth guy is going to be one of your safeties. It could be. I, I bet it will be. I would bet one of th- that fifth rusher is going to be a safety. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you 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 have a a a wealth of good safeties, right? That you can have, bring it. Yeah, you have three, really four safeties. Yeah. I would say that can do both in terms of coverage and then getting after guys in the backfield with Eric Weddle, John Johnson, yeah, Marquis Christian, and now and Taylor they're not Rapp. stupid. I hate guys that just telegraph <laughs> blitzes. Oh my god, that drives me nuts. Why don't you just hold up a sign? You know what I mean? coming. Yeah. The rest of the secondary is giving a cover two look, and there you are standing on the line of scrimmage. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Anyway, moving on. I don't know what was worse, my brain fart or whatever you just did that is not good for a podcast. Oh, slapping people around? I just just makes me want to slap someone. There you go. Yeah. There. How's that? I'm trying not to say that. much better. Oh, my God. Uh, I hate Because you can't. Nobody could see what you're doing but me. This is why we can't have nice things, right? When you're trying to disguise a blitz, but there's one idiot that's just giving away. You can tell the quarterback knows already. So forget the disguise. Just line up at it and go. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, let, let's switch to the other side of the ball, though. Sure. I want to talk about Gerald Everett because yeah. I think he is somebody who is definitely flashing at this time of year, which is good. Um, it's better to flash than to not. And obviously, they're not in pads. They're not yeah, doing yeah. this, not doing that. But it seems like consistently, day after day, Gerald Everett makes at least one catch where I'm like, ooh. That was nice. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about this before. The Rams need more production out of their tight ends. Just point blank, period. No doubt. Right? Like you have not averaged very much out of your tight ends per year. You've only had in the two years that Sean McVay has been head coach, 107 receptions, 1,227 yards, eight touchdowns for all tight ends on the roster. Wow. Wow. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is an area where there could be real growth and real improvement. Or this could be all you get out of your tight ends in this offense. Mike Martz never threw to tight ends. 
Really? Ever. Yeah, it was a known thing. He just – tight ends weren't a big part of his offense at all. It became a running joke. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Don't, don't, don't go to yeah, St. Louis if, what, because – No, if, if the tight ends did receive a pass or even a handoff – the entire team would just jump for joy. Like, finally, they're being used. So mm-hmm. it just may not be a big part of your offense, but at some point, you just can't flash. That light has to stay on. Yes. You know, and I would bet that you'll see more of a tight end or more tight end play this year, considering what Todd Gurley is going through. Yes. Because I think that's where all your tight end possessions or receptions went to. You know, uh, let's see. Throw it to throw it to Everett or throw it to Hig- Higby or hit Todd Gurley out of the backfield on a screen. You, what are you going with? Yes. Yeah, I'm going with the best player in the game or one of the best players in the game. I think that's how it went early. Yeah. But at some point, as the season goes along, your tight end is going to have to play a big role, a bigger role than what they have been. Right. And so I think when you watch him in seven on seven, especially when they're in the red zone mm-hmm. and you see him go up, go elevate, snatch things out of the air in a way where he's getting the ball at its highest point. I think that his receiving ability is really coming through. No doubt. But that's something that also has to be paired with his blocking ability. And so I talked to him yesterday, and what he said was that I feel better as a blocker. So here's a little bit of the conversation between Gerald Everett and myself. I feel like a a better version of myself uh, in reference to last year, just, you know, older, a little bit wiser on the field. Uh, just, you know, being a, more of a complete pro and, you know, I feel like I'm a way better blocker than I was last year. So just, you know, feeling like an actual tight end now, more so than just a receiving tight end. What did you do to get better at blocking? Um, just be more aggressive and just, you know, working on my technique with uh, Coach Palmer and, you know, Wes and Shane and Coach McVay and just, you know, Tyler as well. But just, you know, try to take bits and pieces from guys in the team, whether it be uh, Whitworth, you know, just watching the techniques and just trying to translate it to being a tight end. So that's interesting. You know, if you're yeah. watching a guy, if you're trying to get better as a blocker, you probably can't do much better than watching somebody like Andrew Whitworth. Oh, no. At some point, you're going to have to put your hands on somebody, a defensive end, and drive him off the football. Mm-hmm. You're a tight end. Um, you're not always catching passes. So it pays to be better blocking. Uh, what I've always understood about tight ends is, look, if you're expecting them to hold the point, then what the hell are you doing offensively? They're not blockers. You know what I mean? Yes. They're hybrid types. But just be feisty. Uh, don't turn down the block. You don't have to be Jimmy Graham, a guy who just will not block at all. Yeah, you might as well just never line him yeah, in you, line. I mean, a guy who will actually back up when the ball is coming to him. You know? Right. You have to hook this guy, block this guy, at least stay in front of him, and he wants no part of it. So... That you can't play with. A guy that gets knocked back but at least is feisty, you can play with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, stay with the guy. Try at least to to move the guy. Yeah, and he said that working with Wes Phillips has been helpful, you know, in in those kinds of things. New tight ends coach, obviously son of of Wade Phillips as well. Um, But just from the standpoint of you need somebody who can expand the offense, this is really what he was drafted to do, he being Gerald Everett, right? Yeah. He was a second-round pick. He was the first draft pick of the Sean McVay era. So this is somebody that really the Rams have always had pretty big plans for. And I think going back to last year, Uh this is what? Not another GTO in the garage. No. (laughs) 
You better hope not. Not another but GTO is, in the garage. You're right, though. But this yeah. is the year where I think he's got to prove that that's not the case. Right? We'll see. He's yeah. ar- but, but he's already made more plays than Brian Quick ever did. <laughs> ever? Like four years or five years, however long it was right. that he was with the Rams offense. I think we can definitively say Gerald Everett has made more plays. I would say that. Uh, but just go back to when Jared Cook was in a Rams uniform. And I remember he took a beating, right? Yeah. And I would try to tell people, when have you ever seen a defense not respect him? as in not cover him. Hmm. He's a focal point. He's a problem. Um, He can't block, yeah, but when he takes a step to his left and the ball's going right, that defender's going with him. You know what I mean? You have to honor that. Yeah, Yeah, it makes a big difference. So you don't have to be a tough guy to be an effective blocker at tight end. Right. You know, if you're a guy that's a threat to run around people, they will honor you and stay with you. You'll pull a guy off in the run with that. So... At some point, like he said, being a more well-rounded pro, I think we're going to find out exactly what type of player he is this year. Yes, yes, especially if he stays healthy. Now, I think we would have found out more about that last year had he not gotten hurt in training camp. True. And that's part of what I was asking him at the beginning there and you saying in reference to last year, et cetera. You know, one of the things that I noticed – in this time last year was him taking those steps as well. Mm-hmm. So he looked like he was able to process things better to and be able – he looked like he was going to be able to take another step. And then yeah. he got hurt in training camp and then that set him back and the Rams were still heavy 11 personnel throughout the course of the year. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, remember Vernon Davis? The, uh, the tight, tight end. end. Yeah, the 4-3 tight end. He still plays um, for Washington, yeah? Yeah, I, tremendous player. Um, it, it's, this, it's similar. This is – it's it's nitpicking, but it's the one thing I hope that Gerald Everett improves on is his catch radius. That's all. Interesting. When, when he gets the ball in his hands, he is dangerous. When he turns north and south, you've got issues as a secondary, right? Yeah. If he gets behind you, he can't outrun you. You've seen that. And he's tough enough to take a hit, right? Mm-hmm. But the catch radius, sometimes you have to make the circus. because Sometimes you have to make the circus. The circus catch. Yes. You know, if, okay, if Jared Goff, and if they're calling it like they usually call it, which means... Woods, Cup, Cooks, Gurley, I get all the way to you in my progression. I'm under pressure. That ball's not coming out perfectly. Right. So if it's behind you, in front of you, you got to dive. Think Gronk. Yeah. You've got to make the catch some way. So just improve the catch radius. That's mm-hmm. all. Yeah. I think that's something that he can do. And it, yeah. it, it, like I said, I, it seems like every day there's some kind of catch that he makes where you just kind of go, wow. No doubt. I just I remember arguing, oh, God, was it um, when they put Mannion in against the Niners? Was that last season or two seasons ago? Uh, week 17. Week 17. Yeah, it was two years ago. Two years ago. In 17, yeah. Right. When they when they sat everybody for yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, uh, And Mannion let one go and it was behind him, right? Mm-hmm. And the guys upstairs, my guys, JB and Mo, were saying bad throw. And I'm like, bad throw? you got to catch that. Hmm. If you can spin your body around and put two hands on it, I'm expecting you to come down with it. It's not always going to be perfect. You have to make that catch, especially when you're wide ass open in the middle of the field. Did it hit you in the hands? Bingo. Isn't that the thing? Sure, I want a better pass, but it's not always going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I asked Sean McVay, too, about Gerald Everett and his progression over the offseason. And here's what McVay said. I think the game's slowing down for him. I think, you know, anytime that you play the tight end position, you're asked to move all over the formation. You're asked to contribute in protection in the run game, um, you know, as a separator in the pass game. And I think he's just continuing to progress and take steps, Miles. I think with some of the, the routes that that entail some decision-making, things are slowing down for him. He's playing with patience. He's got great, you know, aggressive hands where he can step to the football. And I think you're just seeing a guy gain confidence, gain experience. And, you know, everybody talks about the game slowing 
slowing down, but you know, you're, the more that you're able to accumulate those mental reps and then apply them to, to when you see some different looks, um, he's done a really good job with that. And I think, you know, whether it be Shane or Wes now leading that room, Tyler Higby's been instrumental in helping Gerald listen to those two, um, help each other get better has been fun to watch. And, and Gerald is definitely a guy that has been a very, very bright, very good bright spot for us in the offseason program, the way that he's approached it and attacked it. No doubt. You know, if Johnny Munn was bigger, God, he'd be dangerous. <laughs> oh, my God. He's well-rounded. The guy can do just about anything and everything really well. He's a great mm-hmm. tight end. Just not the biggest guy in the world. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if you know I used to play drums. I think you've mentioned it. Way back when. Um, and it's funny. You become a much better drummer when you're not looking at the skins in front of you. Meaning what? When you're not looking down at the drums and making sure, like, I hit this or I know where it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when you can just play and look around. I mean, you become a much better pro. Yeah. When you're driving a stick, do you drive automatic or a manual I, transmission? I used to drive a manual transmission, and then I gave it up because I gave it my old car, and I, now I regret it heavily. Even though I, driving in traffic in the morning is much more pleasant without the manual transmission, this is a much longer answer Who than what talking was required. To? Are you talking to your mom right now? No, I'm talking to myself because I talk – I think about oh. this very often all right so like in december i know well no so in december i got a different car yeah go ahead okay and like i i got it in part because it's it's cheaper and you know i wanted better gas mileage because i live in california and i also was thinking you know like i it's tough to drive a manual transmission car out here it just you sit in traffic all the time Mm -hmm. it's annoying so part of the impetus for getting the cheaper car was well maybe i can get the second car i can get a second g and i can get a cheap gti and i can drive it whenever i want right but that has not happened yet long story but now when i drive to work every day like i'm a little annoyed because i don't it's like I lost a part of myself when oh my I gave God. up my manual transmission car. You have I've, missed your calling. You would be a great filibuster. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> TLDR, I got rid of my GTI and I really miss it and I shouldn't have done it. Okay. Anyway, what I was trying to say is <laughs> it's it's a lot easier to drive a manual transmission when you don't have to look down to see what gear you're in. Oh, yeah. You can't really drive that car. You can't really drive a manual transmission if you don't know what you're doing. No, imagine being a tight end that's moving around when you're not actually sure what's going on. Oh, so that's where you were going with that. I thought we were just talking about cars. No, you you play a little bit slower. And at that spot, you can't. You know what I mean? Yes. So slowing down is I know everything that's going on. I'm dialed in. I know the terminology. I know where I'm supposed to be and who has what. You play faster. Exactly. I mean, it's like anything else, right? You have to – sometimes you have to know what's exactly inside the box before you start to play outside of it. Exactly. It's like what I say about writing all the time. You have to know what the writing rules are and so that you can stop thinking about what they are and then just write. And then that's how you get to break the rules because you already know what they are. It's funny, man. I watch you when you write and I am jealous. I've told you this before. Yeah. Because you don't have to look at your fingers. I do. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Great ideas, but I just can't put them on paper because I have to look down. You can think and type at the same time. I can't. Anyway, there. It's it's me. That's it's the only me. compliment you'll get from me all day. It's being a millennial. I don't deserve any other compliments. Yes, you do. You do. I've derailed the show now twice. You're the good. The first time with my brain fart. The second time because I just like talking about you're good. transmission cars. But I get where you're going. I mean, I mean, I, I hope that we get to see the best of Gerald Everett. Yes. You know, whatever that is, whatever his ceiling is, you know, this is your chance to prove it. You'll never have another season like this. You know what I mean? Yes. This is a big opportunity for you. Yes. And that that's the same way I feel. I, I think – If I'm the, him, I'd, I'd shut off the phones. I would. 
I'd have one number. I have a beeper. A I, beeper. I would shut out the freaking world. This is it. This is your year to prove. It it is a huge year. Huge year. And Gronk's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. That mantle of the best tight end in the game is wide open. There are some guys out there that I guess are going to step forward like Kittle is a guy that's going to step right into that role, but that's wide open right now. I, I would also nominate Travis Kelsey. Yes. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Take it. My Absolutely. Cleveland homeboy. Yeah. And you're telling me that Kelsey has more ability than this guy athletically? I don't know. Exactly. You know? But he might, like, it's an, it's, I think the point is it's an open question. No doubt. Because if you if you watch Gerald Everett on the field, you see the speed, you see the power, you see the potential. Can you go out and grab it? That that's the only thing we have not seen him produce consistently week to week basis. That's the biggest difference between him and Kelsey is I see production. Yep. I see the same thing in Kelsey as I see in Gerald Everett, except this guy's producing at a high level. Right. And they go to him a lot more. They do. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think there's a clear difference between what that Kansas City offense is and what this offense mm-hmm. here is here in Los Angeles because, well, Jared Goff has three weapons on the outside in Woods, Cooks, and Cup yeah. that are elite. Right. And what? you also have Todd Gurley in the backfield who also is elite. No doubt. Right. If, if, and, and yeah. you know, before the Kareem Hunt stuff happened in Kansas City, City, they also had a good back, but True. that was more of a triumph uh, of a trio of guys that would be, I would say, Hunt, um, Tariq Hill, and then Travis Kelsey. Right. right? So That's he was weapons. part of that big right. three as opposed to a big four, which is here. And then you go to the tight end with what they ask you to do in this offense, this Ram offense. If you can go to the Pro Bowl from the tight end spot, you are a bad man. Mm-hmm. You are an absolute beast. That means you're blocking and catching and scoring mm-hmm. all at the same time. Yeah. 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 But and I think. Gerald Everett has that potential. Uh, let's see. Let's hope. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's definitely hope. Uh, anything you want to see out of the Rams over this next week and a half? Uh, no. Um, you mean for minicamp? Yeah. Uh, the the first two guys, I mean, OTAs is OTAs when you're going against guys, you know, in the offense, defense, competitive situation. I mean, it's very, very controlled, right? Minicamp's going to be a little bit different, which mm-hmm. means – Sean McVay is going to be going to try to win on offense and Wade Phillips is going to try to win on defense. They're trying to get ready for Carolina. So there's going to be a competition. So to me, that puts Brian mm-hmm. Allen and Joseph Noboom on front street mm-hmm. because right now it's a little easy. The defense isn't going to move. Your responsibility is this. Well, come mini camp, come training camp, come preseason, what you see is going to be a facade and you're going to have to pick it up on the fly. So, even Sean McVay said it's starting to slow down. Well, for them, it's going to be a thousand miles an hour early. So it just puts those guys on front street a little bit more because you're that much closer to competing. Right. And I think the protection aspect from Brian Allen is probably the biggest question that we've got to have answered because that that's really your role as a center. Right. You have to be able to call the protections. And now he's, that is in conjunction with your quarterback and Jared Goff. And Goff has said a lot that there's a lot that he learned from John Sullivan when it comes to making calls, diagnosing defenses, et cetera, et cetera, because – there's so much that John Sullivan had seen over the course of his career in the league. Right. Brian Allen has also said, I tried to take as much as I could from John Sullivan because he clearly had a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge. No doubt. So how does that play out in the early going? That's going to be something that could really determine a lot of the offensive success. Yeah, and it, it's going to affect Jared Goff. And I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly. I, I saw the, the, the fight go out of Mark Bulger in training camp. 
you know, when you're in walkthroughs or in drills versus your defense and you have seven walkthroughs and nine plays or seven run throughs in nine plays mm. where the defense just gets home. Right. And you have no chance. Now you have to complete the play in practice. You do. But he knows that's a sack. I just got hit. I just got murdered. Yep. You can see, man, I have no protection. I have no faith in what's going on in front of me. You could tell that early. Mm. So you're going to have to be letter perfect to give Goff that confidence in you so he can play his best game and not worry about being hit. Right. And that's going to be something that, look, if Jared Goff has the protection, then we've seen him excel. Yeah. When there's pressure coming up the middle. Problems. Yes. Uh, I just read something. They highlighted uh, John Sullivan's struggles. First seven weeks, he gave up four pressures. The last the last eight games, he gave up 32. And there was a complete different Jared Goff in those same games. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Yes. So I think when people ask the question, well, what happened to Jared Goff after the bye week? That's a big part of the answer. Right. So I, I like it. If you if look, if you're going to call for any breakdown or any one of your offensive line men is going to go down or, or struggle, struggle towards the end of the year, not early. At least you'll have a chance to fight your way out of it yeah. towards the end of the year. Early, you've got no chance. Think of Bradford when he came here. Yeah. When it was just a jailbreak early, you knew, oh, God, I got no shot. And that's early in the season. Their season was done. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, I I would like to see Gerald Everett continue to be consistent, since we, especially since we just talked about him. I like to see Taylor Rapp get some snaps in. Uh, Greg Gaines get some snaps in. Daryl Henderson continue to work his way into the offense. I think the more you can see out of those rookies early, probably the more they're going to have a chance to contribute during the regular season. And they're Probably guys that the Rams are going to need at some point. Oh, yeah. Especially those three. Gaines and Allen, I can't wait. When it's live go, right? Mm -hmm. Make sure you blow that whistle nice and loud. (laughs) Yeah, because both guys like to go to the echo of the whistle. You know what I mean? So you may get like 20 guys walking back to the huddle, and those two guys are still locking horns. Because they don't know the play's dead. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> right, right. I can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. I always love that. You got to go to the echo of the whistle. I always go to the echo of the whistle guy. That means you're dirty, Miles. No. No, no, that no. That is the very definition of dirty. No, it's not. The whistle is blown. Stop. See, this is how we wind up fighting. Echo of the whistle. You offensive linemen come diving over the pile, hitting us in the side of the head because you're going to the echo of the whistle. I was not diving into the pile, first of all. So here's one thing that happened to practice. This is the only time yeah. that somebody ever tried to like come This at is why me. I didn't I didn't mind Indomitian Sue kicking people. Oh, what they do to him? Oh, oh my god. Uh, what, what were they doing to him? Playing to the echo of the whistle. Okay. <laughs> Have this size 12, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Sue's uh, shoe is bigger than okay, size 15, 12. Okay, 15, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. 16, whatever it is. But no, so some there was one time in practice, and this must have been my junior year, I think. So guys playing scout team defense, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to go to the echo of the whistle guy. So and I dirty. always do this. It's not dirty. So, like, I'm blocking. Uh-huh. And then, you know, at the end of it, you know. Okay, so the whistle's blown. Yeah. And then and what? And then we just give a little push. Mile takes two, you take two more steps. I take a, an extra step. The, but the whistle's blown. But so the I play's dead. Sure, no, I got to make sure that I got to make no. sure we finish the block. Play's because, dead. You stop. Because in a game, what am I going to do? Right. I, I You'll don't get know penalized. The, no, I don't know when the play is going to end during the game. So, so now I you can't hear. Well, I I don't See, know. usually it in football, really when they blow a whistle, that means you stop. It could that be means really stop. S T O P. I did stop after giving an extra okay. step. See, running so, red lights. Oh, well, I kind of running red lights. See, but, there you go. But 
So this one particular day, yeah. this person took exception to that. As and well he should. No, he shouldn't have. If you don't want if you don't want to be blocked on scout okay. team, then play well enough to get off the scout team. Fine. And so he started coming at me, and then I was like, what are you doing? And so then I blocked him harder. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. And then I put his ass in the ground. So when I bury your quarterback, right, and he can't get up. I'm just playing to the echo of the of the, foot, this of the is whistle. Practice and that is roughing the passer. Oh, oh, see, that's you what I'm saying. Take, see, you, you hide behind even, that crap all the time. You can't even see? touch the passer. Dirty in sobs. Oh, I can't stand you guys. <laughs> all of you. Oh my god. Oh, there's a special place in hell for you people. Probably. Yes. That's just, oh, that's only one of the special places, and uh, there are probably oh. many special places. <laughs> Led by Alex Gibbs. Oh, echo of the whistle. Okay. You want to play that game? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I I've always understood what that meant. Right. Be dirty. Take liberties. It's not you just dirty. explained it. I can't do anything to you, right? No, but like this guy's trying to fight me. Like, why are you trying to fight me? Because you hit him after the whistle. I did not hit him. I finished the block. Oh my god. Okay, that's like a guy hitting getting hit after the bell. Oh, I'm just going to the echo of the bell. No, bell means stop. That's a different sport. That's no, a sport. Whistle where means stop. Pushing, you're oh, punching geez. people in the head. Oh my God. <laughs> Justifying it. Oh. Uh, any parting shots? Uh, yes. If you buy a brand new $2 million Bugatti, don't drive it in Midtown New York and expect not to have an accident. This happened? Yes. Tracy Morgan. 15 minutes after he bought the car, he got in a wreck. And wow. he's mad at the other driver. I would be too. No, have the car delivered home, man. Okay? I'm just saying. Good Lord. And by the way, if you're a televangelist and Lisa Guerrero is asking a question and she's right, just answer it. Just oh, say yeah. you got me. Yeah, don't try to fight your way out of it. I Yeah. Yeah. What it, do you need? What do you need all the, What do you need a private plane for? Just Come on, man. I'm I'm I I'm I have I'm vain. Just say that and move on. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yes. It only makes you look bad. Yes. Yeah. Uh my shout out will go to uh Corey Beffert and Brittany Russell. So I am officiating a wedding this <gasps> weekend. <coughs> Wait, I'm sorry. <clears throat> You're officiating a wedding? Oh yeah. How Air can wedding. you officiate a wedding? I'm an ordained minister, bro. And you're talking about going to the echo of a whistle and you're a minister? Oh my God. <laughs> Ooh, evil. I told you. Wow. Well, congratulations. Yes, congratulations wow. to Corey and Brittany. I'm sure it's going to be a great day. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so, yes. yeah, if you have, if anybody out there, you know, you want to minister for your wedding ceremony, yeah. your guy. He goes to the echo of the nuptials. <laughs> it's going to be a great ceremony. I wrote it myself. You wrote the ceremony? Yeah. I got to write a script. Like, okay, how do you start that? What do you say? Dearly beloved. Okay, beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> no, family and friends, like, I will tell, uh, and I don't want to, like, spoil the wedding. No, I'm, I'm not going to tell exactly what it is, but, like, I have a couple stories about, about them. Yeah, about okay. them, like, my friendship with both of them, and, um, you know, then we'll go into a declaration of intent, and then nice. there's, all kind, there's all kinds of good stuff. Well, congratulations. A reading, love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. The, those Love Stinks? No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> There's a song. Yeah. Okay. Love Stinks. Never heard that? It's before your time. It probably was. Yeah. 
Look it up. It's called All Love right. Sex. Anyway. Uh, I, I will look it up. Anyway, yes. yeah. So that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Congrats, man. That's fun. Yes. It, it is honestly is one of the big honors of my life. God. I, because like to last so yeah. last year, um, I read at our friend Glenn Connolly's wedding. Yeah. And so like that was very cool. And also another one of the honors of my life because like, I, you know, first of all. It, just being at somebody's wedding, like that's huge. Like, it's, it's a big, big day. And like, big deal. to me, if somebody's going to ask me to do that, like that's a big responsibility and I'm not going to let them down. So like that, just reading at one was one thing, but like having to do an entire yeah. ceremony and like be the person that pronounces these people, man and wife by the power vested in me by the state of California. It's a big power. That's cool, man. It's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, so. I, I, my image of you is totally blown. It is really big time. Who would trust you with that responsibility? Apparently these two people. That's what I mean. I well, the entire state just did. Yeah, I Unbelievable. So. Wow. Well, we'll have a full report next week on the wedding. Awesome. I hope I will not screw anything See, up. See, this is why I wish head slaps were legal for people like you. Of course. <sighs> Annie. Well, thanks so much for listening to this edition of Between the Horns, everybody. For DeMarco Barr. For DeMarco Barr, I'm Miles Simmons. We will see you next time. Oh,